Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecast, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. Well, this segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty, for asset and occupancy solutions customized for your business. Give us a call or check us out at bullrealty.com. Well, today we're talking about the multifamily world. It seems like the apartment industry has really been on a roll. But some people have talked about, hey, is it overbuilt? Uh, are there affordability issues? Are there too many cranes in some of these cities? Um, and, uh, you know, that is a question that some people are asking. We'll answer that today. We're going to also talk to a broker and a property owner and share some really creative ways to increase your revenues at your existing communities. Well, please welcome my first guest. It's Jay Parsons, and Jay is Deputy Chief Economist with RealPage, and he's joining us on Skype. Jay, thanks for being with us, sir. Thanks for having me, Michael. Great background. Love uh, you know <laughs> pulling all the the axiometrics and everything into to one company. It's now just all RealPage, right? Yes, sir. You can try to keep it simple for you. There you go. I like simple. <laughs> Thank you. Well, let's talk about the apartment uh, market. You guys are tracking around the country. Some people are wondering how are these apartments performing, how are vacancies, and uh, how are rental rates uh, performing? Well, Michael, I, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record because every time we talk, I'm telling the same story, but it's such a positive story for the apartment industry where there's a lot of supply, and people talk about that a lot, but there is a ton of demand for apartments, and I think that uh, a lot of the pessimists uh, who've been forecasting a decline in the apartment market They've, they've really missed what really drives the market, and that's demand. And the demand tailwinds remain great, and so rent growth has picked back up. Uh, occupancy rates remain very tight, and we're seeing some really good signs all across the country. Yeah, and is that demand coming from all sorts of age groups, and, uh, and what's causing it? Is it, the, is it wage growth? Is it great job growth? What is it? Well, that's, that's a great question. I think that... Uh, a lot of the pessimists tend to overthink the apartment market, and the reality is it's about jobs and the type of jobs that we get. Uh, there's a lot of concern about millennials, hey, they're aging up and they're buying single-family houses. Um, and, and yeah, that's true. But the reality is that if you look at the history of the apartment market, what drives demand is simply job creation. And we've seen job creation as well as demographics. And so, well, yes, you have people who are buying houses and, and uh, at the same time, you still have a lot of people who are entering their early to mid-20s, entering the prime apartment renter age. At the same time, you have a uh, huge increase in the older adult population. And even if the share of the older adult group that chooses to rent an apartment remains static, you're seeing tremendous demand coming from that segment as well. So bottom line is there's still a lot of demand coming in. At the same time, retention rates uh, are, are really high. Apartments are very sticky. You know, that's interesting. I, I really haven't given that some thought. When you look at the huge baby boomer group um, demographic, uh, if, more, if, if yeah, more of those people are okay with renting an apartment now, right? I know sometimes I, in, back in the old days, I guess it was, and you talk to someone and they said you rented, they rented an apartment, you felt sorry for them, maybe they weren't doing well. <laughs> you know, now they rent an apartment and go, oh man, you lucky dog, you don't have to wear, deal with maintenance and grounds and all that stuff. That's right. And also you think about, you know, apartments today are built to what used to be considered condo quality. And so if you want to live in a in a uh, urban multifamily type unit, typically you have to buy a condo. And nowadays you could usually rent an apartment in a lot of cities with a nicer quality unit 
at uh, without having the down payment and the condo dues that uh, you would be required for buying a condo unit. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point if you have the same quality. Plus, if you have somebody that lives next to you or upstairs that's a problem, hey, it's a year lease. You could move to another yeah. <laughs> apartment, right? You don't have to worry it's about selling true. the condo. Yes. So what do you expect moving forward, Jay? I mean, you, know, you said that there's going to be more baby boomers, maybe uh, less millennials, but you still have uh, great job growth. You're starting to see great uh, wage growth and consumer confidence. To, is the, uh, how rosy is the picture moving forward? Well, we continue to expect more of the same going forward. Uh, nationally, we're seeing rent growth has picked up from the mid twos to about 3%, uh, which is in line with our forecast for this year. And so uh, we think we're going to maintain those levels for the next couple of years. Uh, we do think that right now, occupancy is at 95.8%. That's a very tight rate when you're completing 300,000 plus units every single year. Um, that, that's the part that surprised us more than the rent growth side is just how strong occupancy has been and the volume of demand out there. We do think that at some point, uh, with so much of the supply focused on, as you and I have talked previously about, so much of the supply is focused on uh, a handful of, of uh, very urban downtown submarkets, very high-end class A-plus supply. Uh, at some point, we do think that segment is going to see further vacancy spikes, and that'll bring overall occupancy down a little bit. But we think that the 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 vast majority of the market will be in good shape. Now, the one thing I will throw out there is the big question I think going forward is just how much more uh, how how sustainable is the is the solid job growth that we're seeing right now. And one of the things that economists are talking about a little bit is the fact that with unemployment rates now at multi-decade lows, uh, the challenge with that is that it actually gets higher, harder and harder to, to, to add jobs because there's not a lot of people out there to go hire. And so with that, uh, that is one thing to watch is if, if we have a slowdown in job growth and people are generally satisfied in where they are and wages are going up to keep people in place, um, that, that could be something that could limit uh, uh, apartment demand a couple of years out. Yeah, well, that's interesting. And you talked about the levels of new supply. So what are you seeing as a trend there? Is that starting to slow down a little bit? Or? Yeah, yeah the, anybody who's predicted the demise of apartment construction has uh, been proven very wrong. Uh, it, it, it continues to come in at big levels. Um, you know, there's not, everybody asks, when's the peak? And, and the answer is, there's not going to be a peak in this cycle. It's going to be a plateau. <laughs> and that plateau is just north of 300,000 units on a trailing 12-month basis. We've been there already for a couple of years. Uh, and it's going to be a couple more years before that pl plateau starts to ease back down. And so, uh, so it's not going to be dropping off anytime soon. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, we sell apartments all around the southeast, and we still see tremendous demand for multifamily uh, properties. What are you seeing around the country for maybe sales volume and cap rates? Uh, well, again, more good signs there. I mean, in investors continue to look at apartments very favorably. Uh, you look at kind of where we are in this cycle, and now there's some you know broader uncertainty what's going on in the world, and you got uh, you know the you got trade wars, you got rising interest rates, and what we're finding is that in and with in this cycle when there's been uncertainty, investors tend to see apartments uh, and, and industrial to some degree as as safer bets. Uh, because you get that cash flow and you also have, I think, a good, very, a very good long-term story. And so we continue to see capital flowing into apartments. It's been much steadier than the other commercial asset uh, types uh, throughout the last decade. Uh, this year, uh, from our partners at Real Capital Analytics, uh, they've got data through August, and we're seeing volumes already above the numbers we saw last year, around $100 uh, billion in transactions so far. 
Cap rates continue to be in uh, the, the mid-four uh, uh, range on average, and uh, we aren't uh, seeing that, that story materially change. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty incredible. So what do you expect moving forward uh, as an economist, as somebody that tracks apartments? Uh, you see interest rates rising, uh, and you see uh, kind of a long cycle we're in. What would you expect for cap rates you know, moving forward? Uh, we don't. We, we continue to expect cap rates to remain pretty steady when where they are. Uh, interest rates, of course, is going to be a big part of the discussion. But you know, it's interesting when you talk to economists and you get forecasts on interest rates. Uh, even the most uh, e even the most aggressive of scenarios is c uh, continues to have interest rates well below. Uh, long-term norms, and so we don't see any sort of a big sea change in uh, in, in the underlying uh, uh, kind of general uh, economic conditions that would lead to uh, apartment investment. So, yeah, spreads are getting a little more compressed, but you know that, that's true of all investment types. It's not like apartments are are, are uh, or even commercial real estate is special in that regard. And so, in the bigger picture, uh, apartments still look pretty favorable, and so there's really no reason to expect cap rates to materially increase bearing uh, some, um, you know, some black swan event. Right. We're talking with Jay Parsons uh, with RealPage. And Jay, are there any things that you're hearing from the industry and the owners uh, that worries them about multifamily that gives them any kind of type of concern? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think that supply is still the biggest concern, and everyone's uh, particularly uh, everyone's invested very heavily in the downtown urban apartments, buying heavily into that story of that renter by choice and uh, the liquidity in the downtown uh, submarkets. Uh, that is leading to, I think, some underperformance on against pro formas, and there's a we're we're getting a lot of questions around. Hey, when are we going to see rent growth levels stabilize? And you know that's that's going to take a while. And so I think that storyline has has been a little bit challenged. I think another thing more broadly on that theme is we've seen valuations for downtown urban apartments grow so much over the course of this cycle. I mean, you look at RCA's commercial property price index, the the urban walkable apartment is more than double the index for that for that property type is more than double what it was not in the recession, but the prior peak in 2006, 2007. And that, that's a that's a pretty big increase, and it's much 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 more than what we've seen in the suburban apartment types. And what's happening is there's been now a mismatch between underlying fundamentals, which generally support Class B and suburban apartments, uh, and then kind of investor appetite, which is driven, which is obviously through seen through valuation. And so that mismatch, I think, is starting to get a little people, few people uh, nervous. Well, we've done a lot of research on that. Uh, just just had an article published in Priya's Fall Quarterly Magazine on this topic, and I think that's something you're going to hear people talk more and more about uh, in the next couple of years. Yeah, it sure seems like a Interesting time to potentially take some chips off the table if you own some of these assets. Well, Jay, what would you leave our audience with related to their thoughts and your thoughts on multifamily moving forward? Uh, well, I guess I think overall the market's still very good. I mean, you think about you know what dominates the headlines tends to be very focused on you know the 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 the, the class A plus you know looks really good in the investment packet sort of picture. But the real sweet spot for the apartment continue to apartment industry continues to be that class B and high quality suburban area. Uh, these are spots that uh, I think we're going to see are going to be very resilient when we get the next downturn because they've been high barrier to entry areas. You have the nimbyism, you have restrictive zoning, you can't build a Class B apartment, vacancy rates are low, affordability, which we see through our screening data, is a complete non
non-issue in this segment. Um, and so we think this, this is the sweet spot. And um, as you're looking to kind of balance risk and reward uh, in, in capitalizing on current trends, but also uh, maintaining some safeguards for the next cycle, uh, that, that's that's where we would really strongly consider uh, finding opportunity. Very good point. I like that. I didn't agree with it. And Jay, great information as usual. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael. And stay with us. We'll have more on the multifamily industry. Next, I'm going to talk to a owner who's developing and buying properties, and he has a unique way of increasing revenue. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I am Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by CAS or CommercialAgentSuccess.com for the ultimate commercial real estate broker training. Check it out, CommercialAgentSuccess.com. I know it's good because I created it. All right. So we're talking about apartments. We're talking about multifamily. Boy, it really has been a hot market. And I think some people are looking at, well, where are we in the market? Where are we in the cycle? You know, where are there opportunities? And what are some of the trends that are impacting multifamily to get the most out of your current properties? Well, as you know, I like to talk to analysts and economists. I also like to talk to people in the trenches, the brokers, the owners, the builders, developers, of the in the sector so please welcome my next guest i have derek barker here he's managing partner with civitas communities and he's in studio one derek thanks for being with us thanks for inviting and we have scott spaulding here and he's with the apartment group at bull realty scott thanks for being with us again thank you for having me well guys you guys are in the trenches you're you're buying apartments you're you're redeveloping them sort of renovating them right and and you're 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 selling multifamily every day how are you guys seeing the market today? Is it is it a seller's market, a buyer's market? You know, where, where are we trending? From my perspective, it's certainly a seller's market. Yeah. Uh, it would seem. I mean, the the pricing is just that we're that we're getting from selling our properties are higher than what we expected, and so it seems like we're at the top. That being said, you know, there's still there's still a lot of opportunities out there just with the strength of the of the, the from on the demand side because there's such a shortage. Yeah. And you guys like to buy stuff that uh, maybe needs some work that you can value add, right? Right, right. So yeah. we buy we buy properties that are effectively functionally obsolete. So high vacancy, you know, under undervalued assets or underperforming assets. And we really go in and do deep rehabs to them and, re and completely reposition them. Sounds like my house. Can you buy my house then? <laughs> That's my wife tells me. She does residential real estate. She comes home after seeing these mansions. Michael, you know our 
our house is a piece of crap, right? <laughs> no, it's not. It's pretty nice. But what do you see? Do you see the same thing in the market, Scott? Or? Well, definitely from a buyer's perspective, there is uh, a lack of inventory, which increases demand. You know, I'm seeing buyers, say, from my home state of California that are selling their entire portfolio because of rent control and redirecting those funds throughout the southeast with a focus here in Georgia. You know, also buyers are reworking their models and they're looking for patient capital so they can be more competitive. You know, from a seller standpoint, you know, there's a lot of smart, there's a lot of activity. You know, there's a lot of smart sellers that are taking advantage of where we are in the cycle and they're selling properties they thought they would never sell. I've been at a couple of closings and then after the closing, the buyer, the sellers actually pull me to the side and say, we never thought that we were going to get this price. We never thought that this was going to close. So they were just elated. But on the other side of that, I, I do have some sellers that are looking to squeeze everything out of a property. And, um, you know, they're really turning down some incredible offers. So I think they're going to be a little disappointed when they look back on this in a few years yeah. from now. Well, that's interesting. So what are you guys seeing for financing these days? Uh, are most of your deals being financed? Are lenders uh, underwriting? How, how's that looking? Well, from a financing standpoint, we're, we're starting to see that lenders are requiring more skin in the game from the borrowers. On some properties, the equity requirements is anywhere between 25 and 30 percent, you know, as opposed to 20 and 25 percent, um, you know, in the, in the past. That's kind of what we're seeing. And for us, I mean, there's definitely a lot of capital out there. There's a lot of availability of financing, but rates are higher in terms of I'd say lenders are still being pretty disciplined about about the terms. So as, as Scott was saying, you know, you're putting in 25% equity for the, for the types of deals that we're doing. But there's a lot of capital out there looking for looking to be invested in, in multifamily. And you guys that are in the apartment market every second of every day, how do you guys feel about the cycle and, and where we are in the cycle? Do you think there's long runway left or what do you yeah. think so i so i don't want to be talking my book here but <laughs> i do just think with where the economy is mm -hmm. the, ultimately we're, where we are is we're providing affordable housing housing that's affordable to the average people rents anywhere from you know let's say eight fifty around the thousand dollar range and there there's a there's room to go because there's just not enough of it uh really throughout uh i'd say throughout the throughout the u.s we, ha we haven't built enough rental housing for the way people are living in, in, in today's economy. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. We've built a lot of very expensive Class A you know, luxury rentals, but we're not really building affordable housing, are we? Right. And then, and not only that, but we spent the past, you know, the past generation where the homeownership rate was way higher. So we have a lot of single family stock uh, as far as just from a percentage basis. And uh, the a lot of affordable housing is, is just older, so. Yeah. Well, I, one of the things I like about that that part of the apartment sector is that it's harder to manage, right? So it's not for everybody that can get in and do the kind of properties you're doing. So some of the properties you're you're buying and uh, redeveloping almost uh, are are you taking them right down the bare bones and renovating them? We are. I mean, we're buying properties yeah. that are functionally obsolete and going in new plumbing, new electricity, everything. Wow. <laughs> you know, because it seems like all the buyers I hear from is like, I just want someone to do a little bit of light value add. I want to replace the counters, you know. <laughs> uh, There's space for that, too. Yeah, that's pretty good. So uh, what are you seeing from uh, buyers today, Scott? Are they, uh, are they 
how are they feeling about the market? Are they more eager? Are they more cautious? Well, we're seeing a, a tremendous amount of demand from buyers. It mm -hmm. just seems that like we can't get enough inventory. We have a lot of buyers from across the country that want to invest in Atlanta, you know, largely due to the job market that's here. We have mild winters. We have a great airport. Um, so there's just a tremendous amount of demand. I, I yeah. wish I just had a warehouse of opportunities yeah. because I just the phone doesn't stop ringing. All right. Well, I'll go. the one thing that would con that would be a concern if there is any is, is interest rates. I mean, their mm -hmm. interest rates are, are creeping up. We're seeing that from the debt quotes we're getting back that they're they're actually. But you know, rents have rents are also going up. And with the you know, recent you know tax legislation, there's a lot of capital. There's a lot of capital out there willing to. I think take lower returns. And that's a little bit of what we're seeing from our investors a little bit also is that you know, we don't need to be getting the same returns that we were getting uh, two or three years ago, and which is good because it's tougher to find those deals. Yeah, so their expectations have, have adjusted with the trends and, and, and that makes sense. So are there any other headwinds, any other things that uh, worry you any in, in the business, either one of you or the or some of the buyers or sellers you're talking to, Scott? Well, I don't say that anything just concerns me. Like we mentioned, you know, interest rates are creeping up, which are compressing values. But outside of that, from a broker's seat, I mean, there's nothing that really worries me because, like I said, demand is just so strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So nothing else. There's like, like in the markets you work, there's no rent control. There's no uh, supply dwindling of tenants because you're not in that class A market where affordability is an issue, right? Right, but there, but there is construction costs, and that's yeah. a lot of what we do. And construction materials are going up, you know, with, with you know trade policy and and just with the you know the construction boom and labor. We have a really tight labor market, so we've seen construction prices go up a lot, and that really has caused us to to walk away from from a couple of deals that a year ago we definitely could have done. That yeah. that's that would be another thing that. Yeah. That we consider well. That's interesting. So it uh, does, I guess, a couple of things: keeps some deals from penciling out, but at the same time, I guess it helps values of existing properties because there's less competition, right? Right. Exactly. Right. It's kind of an interesting problem. Well, we're going to take a short break, but uh, we have a treat for you. We're going to talk about some trends in use of apartments and marketing of apartments in multifamily that I think you'll find interesting. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click advertise at the show website, CREshow.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Excitement segments brought to you by BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I. They are the industry standard for education and training in properties and facility management. Check them out at BOMI.org. And we're talking about apartments today. We're talking about multifamily. We have Derek Barker with us with Civitas Communities, and we have Scott Spaulding with us with Bull Realty, a broker who sells apartments. And, you know, uh, we were in a break previously. You were telling me about co-working and your multifamily properties. Pretty interesting. Tell us what you're doing there. 
So actually, it's co-living. Co-living. We're, we're doing some co co I said co-working. <laughs> yes. yes, but we're doing that also a little bit. But so what we found in our property is that a lot of the larger floor plans, so three bedrooms, that will be weren't being taken by families. They were being taken by people who were finding roommates on Craigslist and, and renting it out by room. And that caused all kinds of problems, but it's a way to get to some affordability. Um, so we decided, hey, we can do a better job by you know, determining credit risk, coordinating, you know, cleaning and all the thing and, and all things like that. So now we're building co-living specific buildings, uh, which from our perspective, we're able to get higher rent per square foot. And from their perspective, they're getting a low hassle and lower cost of lower cost of living, lower cost of rent. That's amazing. So these are people that are kind of roommates and they're having, so you're, you're renovating these or building them more like kind of student living types of floor plans? Effectively, yes. Yeah. So yeah. we have one floor plan where it's five master suites, a large kitchen, large living room, yeah, we, we do uh, common, working with Common, the, a, a large national, a national company, and they throw events and everything to really build a strong community. Because what we find is people are attracted to where they live, not only because they want a place to stay, but they also want a community. People just naturally do. And a lot of young people come into a city, moving, they're not cooking a lot, they're not spending a lot of time at home. And, and, and this is a way that they can you know, live in a, a hot neighborhood, have a lower cost of living, really be a part of a community. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, my um, cousin was telling me last night that they have rented a room in their home in Grant Park, an area in Atlanta, to a young lady who's going to college at Georgia State. She's paying 500 a month. She's renting a bedroom there in their home. So co-living, right? And, and he said the same thing you're saying is that, look, she was looking at even in apartments in any kind of shape, form, or fashion, she had to pay 900 or maybe 1000 a month, right? Right. And what we're seeing is, I mean, according to a Pew Research study that came out last year, 32% of Americans are living with a roommate right now today. So that's, we don't have 32% of the, the multifamily built environment set up for that. So we're just trying to meet the market demand that's already there and, and allow be able to live someplace where if studios are going for 1500 we can come in and say, hey, all in, utilities included, housekeeping twice a month, you can pay 1250 or 1300 You just have to share a kitchen. And people are really going for that. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it, talking about the number of people with roommates. I have a roommate too, my wife, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that, the study didn't include relatives. So. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so that should be interesting too when, when, when you're talking about lending on a property like that. You, know, you talk about buying or investing in a property like that because you might look at the uh, rents and go, you're getting how much for uh, this one apartment? Because you talk five hundred a month, uh, what you said five tenants, twenty five hundred a month. Where as a regular apartment, it may have rented for what twelve hundred, thirteen hundred. Yeah, that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, so. yeah. So, so co living. So tell us what you guys are doing related to Airbnb. Yeah. So our company, we're, we have three prongs. There's a recent tax legislation the, that created opportunity zones, and we're already operating in those neighborhoods for, through our apartment rehab business, where we're going in and, and putting in a lot of capex. Uh, so we figured, and we're all already also doing Airbnb, which is another way where people can travel and travel more affordably with larger groups. Um, so we have a three-prong strategy where we do apartments, we do co-living, and we do Airbnb all in opportunity zone areas to get the best tax adjusted returns for our investors. And that, that our, we've had tremendous growth in our Airbnb business. You know, we're, we're seeing you know, much stronger cash and cash returns than we were, we were even expecting or that we can get for long, from long term. Rentals. I bet you are. And those all three in the same community? 
we're doing some in the same community. So we have apartments where we'll have some small percentage, you know, 10% of the units that are that are you know, Airbnb, which allows us to drive higher cash on cash returns uh, without doing a lot of CapEx. I mean, we have some properties that are standalone and where we just pay the hotel tax and still. Yeah, and it's interesting you think about Airbnb for an apartment community because you probably already have a resident manager there, right? You have right. someone that can check them in and out. Are you doing the Airbnb also with the co-living? Not, not currently, no. not okay. currently, but we absolutely can. The same floor plans that are perfect for co-living yeah. are perfect for Airbnb. Mm -hmm. you know, if you have a group of 10 friends, five couples, you want to get five hotel rooms, well, that'll cost you $200 a couple. You can get one one house is five bedrooms and yep. it'll cost you, you know, 250 altogether. So, well, you know, if you, if you told me five years ago that I'd get in somebody's, you know, seven year old Toyota that I'd never met and let them drive me around the city of Atlanta, <laughs> I'd have said, there's no way, you know, right. but I think as more people get used to all of this kind of shared use of everything, uh, that's pretty amazing that you're doing that. And, and I would think that, uh, to keep costs down, uh, even with Airbnb, it'd be interesting that hey, you could rent a rent a room, right? And and the, and so when you're doing the co, I can want to say co-working, the co-living, right, right. um, and somebody's looking at being renting one of those rooms, do they have opportunity to see who the other roommates are, or meet them, or know anything about them? They do, and honestly, yeah. they're we. If they get in there and they have an issue, then they can we can move them to another room on the property. Uh, but you have a good amount of privacy. Uh, you, they're effectively master suites, yeah. so you, you have you have a good amount of privacy there, and you share the common areas. Uh, and if you have an issue, you know we 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 jump on top of that and make sure that yeah. we can handle those things. And it's worked in student housing, so why wouldn't it work anywhere else? Right. Or anything to think about related to the financing, the buyers, the sellers, right. anything on the brokerage side of, of those types of, of properties that you may want to think about, Scott? Well, I guess they want to look from a lender side. You want to look at the leases and, and how they, they work. I know some lenders are going to be somewhat conservative in that unless you're a very strong borrower because, mm -hmm. you know, the uncertainty of the cash flows makes lenders feel a little bit uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. What about uh, technology? You guys, you know, I think of a lot of technology we use in some of the very high-end Class A properties. What are you doing on the types of more affordable housing related to technology? So the two biggest ways that we're using technology, one is really in construction. I mean, honestly, the if you're able to use technology to more efficiently, you know, see change orders and communicate what, what exactly you want done and have a stronger, more efficient supply chain, you can really drive the cost of construction down, which allows you to get some more affordability. Um, and when we think of technology, we do use it on the property management side through our third-party property management company, but something that's really on the horizon that we're looking at is driverless cars and how that's going to change cities and change the way people people are living. And that really goes back to kind of why we think that the whole co-living idea and building more density in cities is makes sense because you know, when you have when you have a city where you can, you know, you have driverless Ubers where, that are uh, <laughs> that are all, all whipping around, you need a car less, and and uh, and we're, we're trying to create, you know, create the type of density that right now that can uh, work well in that future environment. And what, how do you do that? Is it less parking? Is it more areas for pickup and drop? How, how do you prepare for? The unknown future, or I guess you're you're looking to the future. <laughs> so we have, yeah, we, we do have properties that are we'll, that we're building that will have less parking. Per, for instance, in the co living, we'll have what we're seeing is around twenty to thirty percent of those um, residents are, are driving, and that we're thinking that that's that's what we're going to have parking for. Um, we are 
having smaller spaces for storage, things like that, and, and more spaces for living and experiences because that's something that, you know, specifically the millennial generation, they're, they're more focused towards. Uh, they, 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 they focus more on, on, on experiences and, 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 and providing that. And providing so smaller that. dwelling units, but more larger common areas. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I guess if you're going to live with four people you don't know, that you, you kind of like being around people, right? Exactly. <laughs> well, anything but, you guys would leave our audience with related to the apartment market and what they might want to think about moving forward? I guess from my standpoint, just some tips I would leave for, you know, owners is that, you know, you want to look at the property and see how does it show? You know, is there debris in the gutters, in the roof? Is there trash on the ground? Has it been properly landscaped? Um, you also want to look at the deliverables. You know, how does your income and expense statement, you know, your rent rolls, the operating history of the property, is it easy for a third party to understand, you know, your financials? And then when you're marketing a property, are you just reacting to a phone call that you received from uh, a buyer trying to get a better price? Or are you taking the property to market where you um, put buyers in a competitive bid environment? You know, also you want to look at, you know, how are you choosing your broker? You know, do you know exactly what they're doing and how they're doing it? I mean, we got a great list from a client that shared with us some interviewing questions that they asked brokers. And I, and I can share the list with you so you can share it with your audience. But just a couple of tidbits would be, you know, number one, they want to know, are you trickle marketing this listing to your email list? Or are you taking it to a big database? You know, are you using marketing systems or are you not? You know, are you cooperating with brokers from around the country or even within your own office? You know, or are you not? You know, and most apartment brokers do not cooperate at all. And then also you want to look at, you know, are you compensating these outside agents as well? Uh, sometimes um, there's compensation built in there. Sometimes there isn't. But a seller needs to understand, you know, what their broker's doing because your most motivated buyers, your 1031 exchange buyers, you know, buyers that are switching asset classes or looking to get in a particular market, they're gonna be willing to pay more and more than, more than not, they're gonna be shopping with a broker. So if you're not cooperating and compensating outside brokers, you really miss out on some really great buyers. Yeah, and I think that would be rare. I mean, most apartment brokers are not cooperating uh, with brokers at other companies in there. And from what I've seen, they're mostly not cooperating with brokers in their own, in their own companies. You know, so you think you're getting uh, national marketing from your broker, whatever it is they're selling on an investment property sale. And no, you're not. You're, you're getting email marketing of that broker's email list. But what about on the operation side or, or leasing? Any tips to leave our audience with? I can just tell you what I think that our focus has been, which is, you know, we're trying to focus on the thick part of the population bell curve, which is, you know, the median income here in the U.S. is somewhere in the 55,000 range, but that's not where a ton of the supply is. So if there's a, a, a decline, we feel like, you know, in this current market environment where pricing is at, is, you know, in, in at the higher end, you know, we like to be someplace where, you know, there's a Ton of the, where the most demand is, the biggest part of the population, where, where there's the least attention from a supply perspective. And, uh, you know, that, that, that I'd say if you're, if you're looking at properties and that, that's, what, that's, what we, that's what we look for, that's yeah. what we focus on. Where do, where do your tenants want to live? What will be important for them? Be around amenities and, and market to the, to the thick part of the bell curve. Yeah, well, I think that's great. And I think economists and analysts around the country would say, well, yeah, that is, that is the spot. That's the spot where there's a need. That's the part where there's growth. That's the part where there's going to be appreciation and rent growth and, and, and continued demand. So, uh, and, but the hard part is the 
expertise that you have, right? right. That is a more difficult product type. You just can't write a check. You gotta have partners like you guys that can do and help them with it. So hey guys, thanks for joining us. Great information. Thank you for having us. And uh, thank you for joining us around the country. Please let us know your thoughts. Thanks for sharing the show with your associates and your friends online. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, you learn, and you laugh, and you join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Bomi.org. Property and Facility Management Education. CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Video training from Michael Ball. To access these great companies or for more videos, podcasts, and articles, visit CREshow.com.